glory days at the stick. From who's got it better than us to brick by brick. It's always the 49ers way from off season to game day. Yeah, we talk back. It's the 49ers cut back. It's 49ers cutback podcast time, and it's news time. Uh, it's the day after the game. All the news comes in the day after the game, and then we get to talk about it on our Tuesday episode, Alex. And this is exciting. True. Excited to talk about it. The Tuesday dailies are always a they're always a blast, man. There's always they're always a lot of fun. There's almost always good information. Very rarely do we come into a Tuesday and it's just like, oh yeah, there's nothing to talk about. Let's start pulling stuff out and throwing it at a screen and see what happens. You know, let's see what let's see what sticks and what works. Uh, no, there's there's always tons of information with the 49ers because they're always they're always doing things. I never know what they're doing back there, but they're always doing something. Mom, the main love. We want it now. We want it now. We, we want it now. Um, and look, uh, let's let's start off with the first thing on this docket, which is that the 85 problems there for Taylor. Uh, Zach Taylor had some comments post game after George Kittle the second straight week absolutely torched <laughs> torched an opposing team, and as Jay Hill so eloquently put it uh, on Face Off. He's playing like one of the best football players in all of the NFL right now. Um, look, Taylor's basically said they had no answers. Um, they did everything. They, they tried everything. They threw the kitchen sink, essentially, at George Kittle. And, um, and surprisingly enough, George Kittle ran through it like it didn't exist, spiked it, gave him one of these, and then asked for a nice cold beer and gave himself a nice celebration. Uh, George Kittle was absolutely... Torching. He's been torching since he got back from injury, since he returned. It's almost like he's super motivated to play well or something. I, I don't know. I almost can't figure it out. Uh, but I just, I just thought the, the comments were funny because Taylor's struggling to figure this out. I mean, he's a relatively new coach in the league, so there are going to be times like this as a coach where you're going to get stumped by one guy. One guy is just going to cause all sorts of problems for you. It also probably doesn't help that you didn't have like any of your linebackers, your, your starting guys, your, your go-to guys out there for the Bengals. So you feel for Taylor a little bit because we have some linebacker issues and they've been happening all season long. Uh, but I like having another piece, right? That's not Debo Samuel causing this many problems for opposing coaches. I'm very appreciative of Zach Taylor's candid comment. And, and he was very open about the defense, which uh, we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but yeah, the offense, especially he's talking about George Kittle and how they weren't able to stop him. Um, part of the reason they're not able to stop him is because they don't know what weapon you're going to use next. This is what the point of getting all these positionless style players is that you can get them out there and put them in a variety of different situations and get them in matchups that make it better for your player. And that's what you're trying to do is put your player in a situation to be successful. And he found a lot of situations and he being Kyle Shanahan to put George Kittle in situations where he could be successful. Then it is all on George <clears throat> Kittle and, and uh, of course, Jimmy Garoppolo to make the play happen. But George Kittle was making catches all over the field. He was making an impact, whether it was blocking, whether it was releasing. What they did in this game especially was take advantage, take advantage early on in this game of George Kittle's blocking skills. Uh, because everyone thinks of George Kittle of a blocker and such a good blocker that Travis Kelsey thinks he's the best tight end in football. And then what they would do is release him late and then get him the ball. And that was working early on in this game. And it caused the Bengals a little bit of problems. And I think that that got George Kittle going, that got Jimmy Garoppolo going, that got some comfort level in this offense. And it made them think now, is George Kittle blocking or is he going out for a pass? And when you have to do that, you're maybe you're not going to go as hard as you would one way or the other. I thought it was a good scheme, it was a good way to handle it. But Debo Samuel being back also pays dividends for the 49ers because now you can't go put two guys on George Kittle 
because then you're going to single up Debo Samuel or you're going to single out uh, single up Brennan Ayuk. And in those situations, all those guys were winning. And even Jawan Jennings was winning in one-on-one situations. When that happens, this team is going to be pretty much unstoppable. As long as they don't shoot themselves in the foot, you're going to have a tough time stopping the offense. Now, what was weird about this game is there is a portion of the third quarter and part of the fourth quarter where this offense goes completely dormant. Uh, and that's something they're going to have to figure out. But it will not put a damper on the fact that George Kittle is unstoppable, unguardable. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do the rest of the season because he is on an absolute tear. And so is Brandon Ayuk as well. Yes, 100%. Brandon Ayuk has elevated since the bye week. Uh, Kittle has elevated since he returned from injury. Debo Samuel is still the one right now. I mean, we, he, he came back this this last week, but we didn't see a whole lot of like additional usage for him other than the running game. But part of that is because you've had the injuries at the running back right. room. And so you need someone to, to sacrifice. So Debo is the guy sacrificing. And despite that sacrificing, he still put up 1,200 yards of total offense, all-purpose yards for the 49ers. So, I mean, it's not like he's suffering or anything, and the 49ers are having success. And Debo is also having success on the team. Yeah. He also has as many rushing touchdowns as Dalvin Cook. <clears throat> That's pretty impressive. Yeah. He, he does. I heard he's a pretty good running back. Newsflash. He's not actually a running back. No way. Is he a wideout? He's a positionless player. Oh. He can do it all. Oh. But did you see Zach Taylor's comments about the 49ers defense? I did not. I missed those. Okay, ones. so what he what he talked about about the 49ers defense was the fact that this front seven is so good at stopping the run. And he talked, you know, about the different linemen. And I mean, he gave credit to Armstead, Bosa, uh, Samson, Ebucom, and and uh, DJ, DJ Jones. Better and give, then talked better about, give credit to DJ. talked about the linebacker court and how good they were. But he also talked about even when they're in their nickel, they're still not easy to run against. That they have some of the best run fits in the league. And that there was a bear to prepare for and even harder to play against. I thought it was nice props and kind of a, a good indication of where this defense is going in the future. Because like we talked about, if you can stop an offense from running with seven guys in the box, instead of having to bring that eighth, you have a chance to uh, get it done. Especially if you have weaknesses in the secondary, like with the corners. And listen, this is the thing too with the Niners is, you know, the, the flavor of the month, as you've, you've so eloquently referred to it and so lovingly referred to it uh, throughout the league, has been to put five guys at the line of scrimmage. That's how you stop the run right now in the NFL, is you put five guys at the line of scrimmage and you load the box up with eight guys, um, and you have five guys at the front, and, you know, essentially they account for most of, your prior, prior, most of your main gaps, and then you free up your linebackers to be able to flow downhill, and if you bring a safety in the box, then your safety, or, or if you're the Seattle Seahawks, your defensive end. Um, so there's a lot of ways that teams have done this in very similar fashions. The 49ers haven't really gone to that. No, they haven't. They've been, they basically bucked the trend. Um, no, we're not doing this. No, we're not going away from who we are. And early in the season, there were some struggles with the run game. And early in the season, we struggled to slow teams down. And they, you know, we got, there were a couple games where we got gashed. I mean, people were worried because this has been a trend, right, with the wide nine. The adjustment has been to, at times, kind of get away from the wide nine in terms of setup. Um, they haven't set up as wide in, in early base downs, and it really hasn't affected their ability to get after the pass rusher if it's a play action. It really hasn't affected their ability to to be diverse and dynamic, um, and that's all without Dre Greenlaw on the football field for the 49ers. Or Javon Kinlaw. Or Javon Kinlaw. That's also accurate. Um, th this is this front right now is playing at a just a completely different level. Is this better than the 2019 play from this front so far? No. Because 2019, they had, they put up the, the big sack numbers and tackle for loss numbers. Yeah. Hasn't been that this year. The numbers don't correlate. Um, I, I agree with you on that. But it just it feels different this year. I, think I, don't, the, I don't know what it is. I think the run fits feel different. 
um, especially now. I think that this defensive line is playing better against the run. They're better at occupying blockers on the inside. I believe Eric Armstead is part of the reason because he's playing inside now. True. And whenever you're playing him and DJ Jones, you know your run defense is going to be better on the interior. Um, you throw in the fact that Aziz Alshair is playing at a very high level. Uh, yeah, it's, your run fits are going to be better. Uh, D Ford also is is good at run fits, but Samson Ebicom so far has been playing better in those run fits. But now you're going to get backups. The guys that they're bringing in, the rotational pieces, they're going to play it as well. Charles Aminahue is one of the highest ranked PFF guys this week, uh, and he's been playing fantastic. So you've got a different rotation. Can this team end up producing more than the 2019 defense 100%. when we get into the playoffs? Yes, they can. They're, are they as good as them talent-wise? No, they're not. Because you had Buckner, Armstead, Bosa, and Ford all together. Uh, that was extremely good. What you got now is a little bit more depth in this one than you had in the 2019 one. So I think that they have the potential to be really, really good. But as dynamic as the 2019 one, I can't say that for sure. It's it's not quite here. They're not quite there yet, but the fits are better. You have the guys, the, the seven playing, I think, better as a, as a, as a group and a collective unit than maybe we saw at times in, in the 2019 season. Uh, but they're not quite yeah. there yet, especially specifically in run fits, though. I, I think so, because you had, you know, uh, Quan Alexander missed a lot of tackles. Greg Greenlaw was a rookie. He didn't miss tackles, but he was still learning how to be in those run fits. Accurate. Um, so you had that, and then you had, you know, some injuries up and down. DJ Jones got hurt in the 2019 season. Yep. Um, so there are were a little bit of things, and Buckner is not the best against the run. He's very good against the pass, but he gives Extremely up in the, in the run because he's a little bit slight where Armstead plays a little bit bigger against the run, but it's not as good against the pass as Buckner was. Right. So you have that give and take there. So where you're going to improve, it's going to be in the run game. I know the numbers overall don't show that. I think they're like 18th best against the run in the league. It just feels like over the last five weeks, they've gotten tremendously better at doing it. So they've definitely adjusted, but also it hasn't been that long since Armstead moved inside. We had the Kinlaw thing, and then all of a sudden Armstead's inside. And since he's become a staple on the inside, Arden Key has also moved on the inside. And they've gotten Jordan Willis back. They've gotten uh, Charles Aminahue. So the defensive line has taken a shift for sure in talent level. I think overall depth-wise, it's probably better than 2019. The depth is, I don't even think, I don't even think it's close. Um, I don't think we had this type of rotation in 20. I don't remember the rotation being this deep in 2019. It was, it was pretty good. It was good, but I, here's the thing. Is this year when Bosa is on the field, when Bosa is not on the field, like when Bosa goes off and Armstead's off, um, I know that they're not out there. But I don't sit there and go, oh god, oh boy, here's this drive is gonna be an interesting one. I, re I really don't feel that way. I feel I almost feel as if it's like you know, okay, uh, secondary is gonna have to pick up a little bit here. They're gonna have to play a little bit, a little bit tougher because we're not gonna get there as quickly because no, no one rushes quite like Bosa and no one has the same sort of arm over technique like DJ Jones and Eric Armstead has on the interior. Um, you know, and if it's not a, a pass rushing down an Arden Key on the inside, I, you know, it's it's it's. They're going to lose a little bit in certain areas, but I don't feel worried. I no. feel I feel fine. I, mean, I I I didn't feel worried in 2019. I don't feel I didn't feel worried this year. I felt worried in 2020 uh, because yeah. uh, Kerry Hyder was our best edge rusher, and what? then when he wasn't out there, but, you were in some serious what? some serious problems. But 49ers fans were so upset when we didn't resign Kerry Hyder, and well, because Kerry Hyder playing for Chris Kasarek means production. Absolutely, he would have gotten eight to ten sacks playing for Kerry this year. 100. Oh, yeah. Especially playing opposite of Nick Bosa. Uh, he also can play, you know, the run really well. We wouldn't have needed Charles Aminihue if we had Kerry Hyder. The problem is, you're not going to pay Kerry Hyder the money that Kerry Hyder got to go to Seattle. And produce one sack this year? Well, that's because he's not playing with Chris Kisarek in, in the wide nine system. He's playing Agreed. a different system, so Agreed. he plays defense differently. Agreed. Um, and they're using Taylor on the outside for Seattle to get those sacks. 
which is another speed rusher. Everyone should know if you go to Seattle, it's always the edge edge rushers like Clark. Um, those guys are always the ones. Uh, Bruce Irvin. Those are the ones that always have the success. Even though early on they did have, I can't remember his name that played on the inside. He was seventy-two. Bennett. Yeah, there you go. Um, but besides him, it's really been outside guys. Uh, yeah, you're one hundred percent. And that's just because he was really good. Yeah, Michael Bennett was pretty fantastic. Yeah, he's, the smallest shoulder pads in the history of the NFL. Hundred yeah, percent. Yes. I mean, he he made kickers look like they were wearing more shoulder pads. I mean, that's just how bad it was. They were like three sizes too small. Yeah, at the very least. At the least. Yeah. At the least, three sizes yeah. too small. Uh, look, Taylor, we appreciate those comments. You do have yourself a very talented football team over there, and uh, you know it's unfortunate for you. Great for us. We appreciate that you threw the kitchen sink at George Kittle and couldn't figure it out. Um, and he he promised everybody. He was doing everything that he possibly could. He promised in that interview, which I, I really enjoyed. He seemed just kind of baffled by it. And you know what? I, I like the fact that we got a handful of guys on this roster offensively who can do that to you. Um, but Ant, we got to move on to a very interesting topic here. This QB conundrum. This QB situation for the 49ers. Because Peter King has come out and said that the 49ers don't have a plan for 2022 at the quarterback position. They don't know what they're going to do. Matt Mayoko is tweeting out interesting statements and things and having interesting comments. And, and we're seeing people from KNBR talking about, you know, the Niners going to maybe make a move and make a play for, for Aaron Rodgers. And, and then you have people like Brandon Ayuk and his post-game presser talking about how confident and how Jimmy is just a dog and that dude, and he's just that guy. And when he comes into the huddle, you know, at the end of a football game and looks everyone dead in the eyes and tells him essentially, hey, we're going to go down the field and score. We all believe it. We all know it. We all know what's going to happen, and it all elevates. It elevates all of us. All of us play at that next level. I'm hearing all of these things and seeing all these things, and you and I were firmly in the camp that once you made the move for Trey Lance, it was very obvious what the plan was. There was 100% a plan. Jimmy is the guy right now while Trey learns, and now Trey is the guy that takes over in 2022. But with the comments coming out from players and teammates of Jimmy Garoppolo, with Kyle Shanahan's comments in his press conference from Monday, uh, post-game, after the game, um, his comments after, after, actually after the football game in which he called Jimmy Garoppolo one of his favorite players that he's ever had the, you know, luxury, ability, opportunity to coach. What's going on with the quarterback room in San Francisco? I think that right now it's fluid. I think right now Jimmy Garoppolo is a starting quarterback and they believe he's their best option to win football games and they're not taking it too far after that. I think that they will look at options in the offseason just like they should always do. Um, whether that was when Tom Brady called or, you know, when they were this year supposedly looking at the possibility of a trade for Deshaun Watson or Matthew Stafford. You are always looking to improve every position on your team, whether that is quarterback or not. Um, nobody knows Jimmy Garoppolo's limitations more than San Francisco 49. Uh, the biggest limitation for Jimmy Garoppolo is his availability to play football games. Accurate. He even missed football games this year. Jimmy Garoppolo playing continuously and not getting hurt again will go a long way in how they feel about him in 2022. Also, what they're offered for him, what his contract will look like. There's going to be a lot of things that go into that. Is Trey Lance going to be ready? We haven't seen Trey Lance in a long time. The only ones that have seen him is his coaching staff, Rich Gangarello, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan, and Mike McDaniel. They know how he's improving, and they're going to know if he's going to be able to lead them to a Super Bowl because they are not going in there next year with this being a reconstruction process where Trey Lance has to take all of his lumps and look like you know Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson does out there. Mm -mm. They they need him to go out there and look the way that Patrick Mahomes looked out there in year um, yeah. in year two. They Absolutely. want him to go out there and win football games. They want this team to be competitive. That's why they signed Trent Williams to big money. That's why they're going to bring Debo Samuel back for big money. George Kittle and Fred, and Fred Warner, all these guys, big contracts. 
they're not looking to rebuild anytime soon. So the quarterback position has to be an established guy. They know somebody like Aaron Rodgers is going to probably be available during the offseason, whether that's through trade or if he ultimately gets cut. That is something they got to look at. If that happens, they're going to have to make necessary movements. But I know what you're kind of saying is at this point with them saying that, is there a possibility that Jimmy Garoppolo is a quarterback in 2022? I don't know. Uh, I, I honestly thought that no matter what, even Super Bowl victory for Jimmy Garoppolo, they move off of him. Uh, Peter King's comments, he's usually tied in pretty tight. Um, maybe there's a little bit of, you know, questioning whether they really want to move away from Jimmy. Jimmy's still a rather young guy. Trey has so much more upside though. hundred um, percent. So, I mean, this is, this 100%. is, this is very interesting. I think it's going to be something that plays out in the off season and we're just going to have to wait and see. The only thing I know for sure is that when we play next week, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the starting quarterback Accurate. and Trey Lance is going to be rooting him on learning, getting excited on the sideline. And the eventual process is at some point, Trey Lance is going to be a starting quarterback in the <clears> NFL. <throat> um, and right now, the starting quarterback for the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, listen, that's that's 100% correct in all of those facets there. Um, and you know how hard it was for me in the offseason, you know, having these conversations about Jimmy and knowing that, you know, if the Niners were to win a Super Bowl, after the move for Trey Lance, it's pretty obvious, you know, what well, I mean, if, if, at least it appeared to be pretty obvious what the what the plan was going forward. And how hard that was going to be for me as a guy who tends to be a loyalist when it comes to players and especially when players produce or get you somewhere or do things like until they stop doing those things consistently for me, it's kind of like, you know, I'm not willing to throw in a towel on a guy. I'm just not willing to do that. Um, wasn't willing to throw in the towel on Alex Smith when a lot of 49ers fans were. Um, and he eventually turned it around and, you know, that, that whole situation played itself out and the Niners got to a Super Bowl and it, it was what it was. And, you know, I rolled, I rolled with the guy that got us there, Kaepernick. Um, and it was sad to see Smith go. But it's a similar situation now with Jimmy, but different. Um, different in the sense that Jimmy hasn't been here as long as Alex has been here. Jimmy hasn't played as many games as Alex has played. Now, Jimmy's had a lot more success early than Smith had, for sure. Not even close. Yeah. Um, uh, 2005 to 2010 were just oh, bad. It might be an understatement. Bad Bad might be an understatement. It was, it was atrocious. Uh, but, but Jimmy's not been healthy. I mean, that's the reality of the situation. And Jimmy Garoppolo's health is what put, has put Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers in the position that they're currently in and why they made the decisions that they made uh, in the draft. Um, it's just interesting how the Niners approached it. It's interesting how it's played out. Um, and it's interesting how Jimmy has responded um, because he very easily could have folded. And I, for a long first part of the season, I, I, I was expecting a crumbling at some point and it to pave the way, especially the way the season started, those that four-game losing streak. The, the path for Trey Lance was being paved to come in if Jimmy wasn't able to turn himself around, turn this team around. I mean, while he wasn't playing terrible, he just wasn't doing enough, right? He just wasn't, it didn't feel like he was doing enough to get us there. And now he's doing more than enough. Um, he's playing like, you know, uh, easily a top 15 quarterback in the league, probably higher than that, I would, I would argue. I'd argue at this point in time, the last few weeks, what he's done is closer to top 10. Um, and when you're playing that kind of football and the team is rallying around you the way that they have, and the offense has rallied around you the way that they have, um, you know, this was a team that was struggling to put up 20 points. And now it's, you blink an eye and we're almost to 30 by halftime the last two weeks. Now, granted, the second half of the last couple of weeks hasn't gone the way you want it to go offensively, um, but you're still there. You're still right in that, that wheelhouse of being able to get it done and, and put those points up on the board if you're the 49ers. So it's an interesting situation. That is for sure. Um, I think you put it best when you said fluid. Um, Jimmy is the guy right now. Jimmy will continue to be the guy as long as he's doing this. And if Jimmy doesn't continue to play the way he's been playing, 
then obviously things can change for the 49ers. And yes, the, if there's one thing that the Niners have shown is they're not going to rest on their laurels. They're not going to sit there and, and rest. And I know people are like, well, really? Because look what they did with the cornerback room. Well, you, you re-signed Jason Verrett. You brought back in K1 Williams. And you went and drafted two corners in the draft. And you brought back Emmanuel Mosley. And you brought back Emmanuel Mosley. I almost forgot. that That's another move that they made. Um, and, I mean, when Emmanuel Mosley's on the field, he's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, and when Jason Verrett was on the field, he was, he was great for the 49ers. So you're hoping that you don't lose both of those guys. I mean, that was the move that they made. And then they drafted two corners in the draft. So it's not like they didn't, they didn't just sit around on their hands and go, I guess we'll just pick up some free agents before training camp and call it a day for the cornerback room. Like they, they actively went out and, and got guys and, and they've continued to do that at every position. They drafted two running backs, right? They drafted O-linemen. Like they, they've made moves to sure up positions of need and sure up areas where they thought maybe there were some weaknesses or some holes. Sometimes you're going to hit on those and sometimes you're not. Um, but the Niners are not going to rest on the laurels even when it comes to this offseason either. They're going to they're gonna do their due diligence, whether it's Deshaun Watson again, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance. Um, it could very easily be either or, either guy. But I think uh, King's comments, you know, what, what you're hearing teammates say about Jimmy, Kyle, what Kyle is saying about Jimmy, there is definitely not a plan right now. There is just this moment. I think that's all, kind of all anyone's focused on is right now, this moment, this year, this season. And whatever happens, happens, and then they'll go from there. Yeah, nothing else matters right now. If Agreed. you start thinking about the future, it, you're going to have problems. You know who thinks about the future? John Lynch, you know, um, and and the front office. And that is their job. There are reports that John Lynch may not even think thinking about the future right now. He may be more focused on the present too. Right. I mean, Matt Miyoko said that uh, basically John Lynch, instead of going out and evaluating talent like he would normally do as a general manager, um, he stayed in Santa Clara to help Kyle Shanahan. You know, so. It was all hands on deck as they were trying to, you know, right this ship after the two and zero start, and then the subsequent four, you know, zero and four, um, that came after that. So it looks like it's a team effort that everyone's been pulling together, and now you're seeing somewhat of the rewards as they get this thing turned around and headed in the right direction. That that's what you need, and what the direction that is going to ultimately be, I think, is going to be determined by the outcome of this season. Because if Jimmy Garoppolo makes a deep playoff run, it makes it more difficult for the 49ers. However, it does jack up his his you know, um, trade value. Uh, and I think now, especially I, I before the season started, I said if Jimmy Garoppolo won the Super Bowl, they would move off of him. I think there'll be such a pressure from this this team, um, from the players themselves to keep Jimmy and a groundswell that the 49ers would have to figure something else out and run it back one more time with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, I think you would get him in the final year of his contract being the quarterback, which I didn't think before. But I think so because a and that's only if they win the Super Bowl, not if they go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, you gotta if you they, gotta come if away. they win the Super Bowl. Then you kind of run it back and you say, you know what, we got Trey, um, you know, but we, we got Trey for three more years after that. So we can run it back with Jimmy. Trey's a great backup in case Jimmy gets hurt, whatever that is. Um, I would like to believe, and this is the truth, I'd like to believe that at the end of the year, though, Kyle Shanahan believes that Trey Lance is actually a better option than Jimmy Garoppolo at that point because he was a third overall pick and maybe he's developed enough in the season. If he's not, the way that they've been operating with veterans over rookies, they are playing the best player no matter what. They will look to retain Jimmy Garoppolo or even another quarterback, whatever it is, to make sure they have the best available option at quarterback. I agree with you there. Um, you have to have the best available option to run Kyle's system. Yeah. Um, it, it, Jimmy, we all believe Jimmy has limitations. No one, no one on this podcast has ever sat down here and said Jimmy Garoppolo is God's gift to the 49ers and no wrong can ever be done by Jimmy G. But what we have said is that 
every year that Jimmy's been here since they brought him in after he sat his five games and then came in as the 49ers starter. He's been the best available quarterback for the Niners. Yeah. When he's available and healthy, there isn't a better option. Uh, and that includes this year, right now in this moment. That's just the reality of the situation. There isn't someone who operates Kyle's system better than Jimmy Garoppolo. That doesn't mean Trey won't. That doesn't mean Trey can't. It doesn't mean Trey never will. It just means right now at this moment, he's not there yet. And, you know, not many rookies are. Not, not many rookies can come in and operate and do things that they need to do the way they're supposed to do them. Um, for as great as Trevor Lawrence is, he's not operating high-efficient offense. Now, you can put some of that on Urban. You can put some of that on their offense coordinator, the play calling, whatever it is, talent they have there with the Jacksonville Jaguars. That is all correct. But he also makes a lot of bad throws and errant decisions because he's a rookie. Justin Fields makes a lot of bad throws and errant decisions because he's a rookie. Zach Wilson has made a lot of errant throws, errant decisions, and held onto the football for way too long in the New York Jets offense, which is predicated and very similar to the San Francisco 49ers who don't hold on to the football very long. And a lot of it is because he's a rookie. He's a young guy. Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly what you're going to get. Uh, Peyton Manning, you know, holds a rookie record for interceptions in a season because he played as a rookie and rookies make mistakes. I mm. mean, that's that's just the way it is. And uh, we're just hoping that he develops enough, you know, during the season that he he's to a level where he can eventually take over. 100%. Um, and, and we'll see what happens. But we'll see how, what this quarterback um, position looks like. It's going to be interesting. Peter King's, you know, he's pretty tapped in to what goes on, especially in San Francisco. Um, and he doesn't usually make, you know, kind of outlandish statements. So he's at least got an idea that they're they're thinking about this. They're deciding. And it could be as simple as John Lynch just saying, we don't know. Um, and, and that would be kind of an okay statement to have, too, because uh, you don't know how the season's going to play out. And until you do know how the season's going to play out, then you don't ultimately know what's going to happen next year. And also, Trey still has to develop. Trey still has to be that guy, or they will find somebody to play quarterback that's a little bit better until he's ready to go. Correct. I mean, you can't just hand the, ki the kid the keys of the castle and the keys of the kingdom if he's not ready to handle the responsibilities that come with that and, and the expectations that come with that. Now, Trey knows what those expectations are. Trey is a very smart, high IQ quarterback. This is not a, you know, a 21-year-old a, a irresponsible you know, dumb, dumb. This is not, that's not what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with a kid who acts way above his age, has a, has an understanding of the game. That's above what any, tw what many 21 year olds coming into the league have. Um, you know, he, he's different. He's a different kind of mental, mental quarterback, mental, just, I don't even know what the right word is. It's like an encyclopedia of knowledge. He, he I mean, he, all the responsibilities that he had as a redshirt freshman at South Dakota state, I mean, that, you don't, you don't see that at North Dakota State. You don't see quarterbacks coming in that young having that much responsibility. Carson Wentz, when he first got there, didn't have that much responsibility that Trey did. The audible calls, understanding, right. line adjustments. That, that just doesn't happen that often. There's a reason why he came in as a redshirt freshman, took over, and they, they won the national championship that year. This kid has, this kid has that little spe special it factor. And Kyle knows that. Um, but it's about making sure that he's ready to go when the time is right and not just you know, opening the toy out of the box, throwing it out there when it's rainy and muddy outside, knowing that it's going to get all dirty and they have to try and clean it up until it's, hey, it's okay. You're going to be just fine. Uh, no, let's just keep them in the package. Let's let them wait. Let's make sure the conditions are perfect and then let's pull them out and, and use them when the time's right. Yeah, it could be 2022. We'll see. We'll see. Very well. Could see Ant. But now we got player updates. We got we to talk about a lot of the, the player stuff and, and what happened with a lot of these guys because uh, a lot of things happened. Ant, there was a lot of... Uh, a lot of guys who dealt yeah, with some, a little bang-ups. Some little... nervous things coming out of the game, for sure. 
Uh, I mean, from from uh, George Kittle dealing with the soreness and things of that nature, the extended soreness that I that I saw they were talking about. Now, I'm not seeing a whole lot on George Kittle's status. It seems like he's doing just fine right now, from what I've read. So there's no been real big updates. But one of the ones that was the biggest concerns for everyone post game was Aziz and Aziz's elbow and what's going on there. So he left the game in the third quarter. It's looking like it's an elbow sprain. He's considered day-to-day. And you said brace it up post-game in the reaction show and play. Looks like you're right. Yeah, when, you, when you're talking about football injuries and you hear elbow, um, the first thing I think is, yeah, you could probably play. He's not a quarterback. And and that's a good situation for the 49ers and a good situ- situation for Aziz because he's playing well right now, and I guarantee he wants to be on the field helping his you know teammates out. So, yeah, let's brace it up. Let's get this guy with two braces now because he already wears one on the other arm. He's going to go from Aziz Alshire and to Aziz BM Shire. Yeah. He's going he's gonna to brace him up. He's, yeah, I like, that you went, man. I like that you went to initials like Jay Hill. Yeah, yeah. well. Everyone's got to have initials, I, I guess. Everyone, you know, they're, they're a, a section of the cutback crew likes Jay Hill, which means they have to like initials. That doesn't mean they have to like initials. Oh, okay. It just means they like Jay Hill's takes, and that's fine. Well, there's nothing um, wrong with that. But Alshair, the, the fact that it's just a sprain, that's good news for the 49ers. Yeah. I thought maybe it could be a dislocation. It's even better that it's only a sprain. Absolutely. Um, 100%, I, I like this. I, this is a good opportunity for them to be able to, you know, get him out there and play again this week. You heard me on the reaction show. I went to the worst possible case scenario. Oh, 100%. We got... You know, this could be this could be a situation where he tore something, and you have a lot of ligaments that attach there in and around the elbow, right? You know, your infraspinatus, your supraspinatus, is up to the shoulder. But you, yeah, but you got a bunch of things down there in that elbow region where things connect. I was like, oh, there's no guarantee that this is a safe. It's safe. He's fine. He's gonna be just fine. I feel a lot better now. Yeah. So listen to me about injuries. Not the guy that went to school for it. You can listen to me for injuries, but you can listen to me for injuries. Don't listen for me for injuries if we don't actually know what it is, because I'm I am I'm I'm a I'm a planner. I'm an overanalyzer. Yeah. I will look at the worst possible situation and prepare myself for the worst, even if I don't have to. Yeah, I mean, I, if it would have been a certain, there's certain body parts I get kind of worried about. Hundred um, percent. But elbow a little bit less in football, unless you're throwing the football and then there's an elbow injury. Yeah, then then you have some issues. You're guaranteed to have something. Pretty pretty serious. Hello, Tommy John. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah. basically, uh, Omri Thomas left with a head injury. He's currently in concussion protocol. Um, concerned there with that. Uh, as far as depth, yeah, because I don't know what the status of Dante Johnson is going to be, um, and I definitely don't want to rush him for anything. And I know the team will want to as well. As much as we need him and want him back, um, there's just no no way that you can know how somebody's going to handle a loss like that. Um, and so you got Yamato Lenore that's going to be there. Uh, the 49ers decided to go ahead and release one of the corners that they had up for the game. They really did. Was yeah. it Savion? Yeah, Savion. Smith? Yeah. Okay. Um, so he's gone. So, I mean, there are going to be more cornerback you know, questions uh, because you just don't know if Omri Thomas is going to clear concussion protocol. And lately the 49ers have been kind of uh, you know, hit by that bug. Marcel Harris couldn't clear concussion protocol. Elijah Mitchell couldn't uh, get out of concussion protocol. Correct. And now it'll be Omri Thomas. So you're going to have to make necessary steps. If Dante Johnson is back, I think you can roll with Dante Johnson, Yamato Lenore, and feel comfortable. The problem is you also need – you're probably going to need another guy. So do they have someone on the practice squad that they can bring up? Are they going to need to go out there and sign somebody else? Um, we'll see what they do. I, I think a signing is impending, whether that's a practice squad, you know, probably a practice squad signing. I would say practice yeah. squad elevation, the active roster is, is the most well, likely. Well, I would think they sign someone, though, to their practice squad anyways. That's probably true. Yeah, so look for a linebacker to get – you know, cut from the practice squad. Can they can they resign Drake Kirkpatrick? Yeah, they can resign Drake Kirkpatrick. Okay. Um, because he wasn't on he wasn't a practice squad. That's right. He was on the active. He was on the active roster. Hmm. 
I don't know if they will, though. I mean, that's the thing. I don't think they want to roll with Trey Kirkpatrick anymore. I mean, I would agree with you, but I thought, I mean, you and I both thought that the reason Trey Kirkpatrick was, was released was because Ombre and Diamador now were at a point where they felt they were ready. So if Ombre can't go, bringing him back in, I mean, maybe they felt they felt they were basically almost the same option. Part of the reason they won't is because the amount of money that he makes. You can sign someone to the practice squad and then bring them up for the, you know, one or two games that Omri Thomas is out and pay them, you know, pennies compared to what you'll pay somebody to be on the active roster like you would have to do with Drake or Patrick. Fair. So it's a money it's a money game, not so much always a skill game, but a money game. Makes sense. Yeah. That does make sense. Uh, Fred Warner was another name that went down with a little bit of an injury. It looks like it was a low ankle sprain, pretty minor. He did finish out the game. Um, Kyle, I expect him to be available, but you never know. It wasn't a high ankle sprain. I think it was a low ankle sprain. He did go back in the game, so expecting him to be fine, but we'll see as the week plays out. Yeah, he was running to the sideline. And he stepped on someone's foot. It, that came from Fred, uh, Fred himself after yep. the game. Uh, he rolled his ankle. I mean, I think all of us have done this at some point in our lives. I'm a person that's rolled my ankles a thousand times. I know you have as well. Uh, too um, many times. I, I, I mean, at some point, especially with a low ankle sprain, you can work through it. You're able to get up after those and get back after it. In fact, he taped it up, played the rest of the game. It's a good sign. He'll be out there. He'll be playing uh, this week. They know how pivotal this game is against Atlanta. 100%. And this is not a situation where Fred Fred has been walking around in a boot. They didn't boot him after the game. No. Um, low ankle sprains, unless you get booted up or you've torn ligaments and it's a grade two, grade three type of strain, or, or yeah, a sprain, strain, whatever you want to call it, however you want to phrase it. There's a lot of different phraseologies out there for the low ankle stuff. I mean, it's a P or a T. I mean, true. everyone. It's true. Um, but anyway, it, even it, even if you do that with a low, unless you've torn something and done some damage and your leg is swelling up and it's purple and blue and looks like you have frostbite, um, you're playing. You're playing. I, I had that happen. Same. It's I'm fun. Not <laughs> The opposite of fun. It, it, it's so much fun because you can't even wear a shoe. No, you you are literally walking around in sock, taped ankle, yeah. and either air cast or boot. Yeah, no you know, air cast. I, come on now, come on. You just got you got tough. Yeah, I I air well I air casted because I wanted the more mobility senior year because I wanted to try and play, yeah. uh, and then came back a week early and was like seventy five percent, and my coach was like, "So you want to play?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, seventy five percent angle. Let's let's do this. It was fun." Yeah, it's fun. I, 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 then I did the other ankle. The yeah. next, the next game. That's not fun. No, I, I'll be honest. When Fred stayed down, I thought it was a hammy. That's what I thought. I too. was worried. So, is, is, is hearing that it's a an ankle sprain, kind of excited. The only only concern I have now is what ankle was it? Was it same side as the hamstring pull? I don't know, but he played the rest of the game. He did. He have a full week of treatment. True. Hyperbaric chamber. Tons of tons yeah. of that. So. All, all of that. He'll be ready. Plus, plus the ice bath. He's gonna be loving life. Oh yeah, he's in full rehab mode. Yeah, he's gonna be like, what ankle problem? Yeah, this is glorious. He's on the list. That means he's got extra time with the rehab, so that's fun. <laughs> you know, that's right. Extra man. days at the facility. <laughs> you know, that's right. Uh, you know, Tuesday off day and enjoy recovery there, Fred. Hey, listen though, I mean, <laughs> recovery in the hyperbaric chamber with with ice baths is, I don't call that a bad time. Yeah, I call that amazing. It's good stuff. If you've never been in a hyperbaric chamber, you need to hop yourself into one of those. Yeah, I mean, group. there's one at every corner, so just hop. Oh on. yeah, just, yeah. You just got to know the right people, right? And right. then, and then they're at every corner. There you go, Alex. <laughs> Dre Greenlaw, Ant updates here. This was a good sign. This was good news. However, you and I both are thinking in the category of this isn't happening. Uh, Greenlaw has a chance to play it this weekend. It's an outside chance, is what Kyle Shanahan is saying. 
We haven't had a single outside chance guy actually play on a Sunday, and it hasn't happened yet this year. Is this the week? Is Dre Greenlaw bucking the trend and playing this weekend? No, when Kyle Shanahan follows that up with, we have two games in 10 days. <laughs> um, I, I don't think so. I, I think that it's more likely the Tennessee game. Agreed. They, they could give it a whirl, you know, especially the way the Tennessee plays football. You might need Dre Greenlaw, but really what's going to, what this is going to come down to is the Fortnite have proven they can win football games without Dre Greenlaw. But putting this off as long as they can is what they need to do to make sure that he's possibly healthy when they get to the playoff hunt. Um, I think they would love to have him for when they play the Rams and then the playoff game. So I, I think that they're going to just play this thing by ear, but they said he's been dealing with pain all season. So I can't see him coming back this week. I think Tennessee would be the outside chance and then following it up uh, with games after that. Agreed with you on that. Um, you won games without Dre. You've proven that with Aziz being most likely, I mean, I'd say like 99.9% chance of Aziz playing this weekend. You don't, you don't need to take this risk. You don't need to take this chance. Especially it's, because Marcel Harris is playing better. Flanagan Fowles is playing better. Accurate. Marcel Harris played great in this game. I know he's one of the lowest-ranked PFF you know, guys. I think it was because of some of the coverage things. Um, But in the run game, he played great. So. It was phenomenal. Yeah. It was phenomenal. He's continually gotten better all year. He yeah. truly has. That's my problem with PFF. I got lots of problems with PFF, and that is one of them. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. I, I just trust my eyes. Whatever I see out there. Um, but Tom Compton, uh, ranked in the top five 49ers performers again. Oh, we'll need to watch that all 22 film because I didn't feel that way. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm guessing the run grade really helped him on well, the obvious run plays. I'm, I'm betting he did really good. And then we also don't know which you know, on the pass rush stuff, like which ones they gave to Brunskill and Tom Compton, because sometimes they were in doubles. It's true. So we'll, we'll see. It's true. I know one of them for sure was, was Compton. Oh, one I'm sure the, he had some. One of the splits. He was... didn't. He didn't do as well as he did against uh, Seattle, as far as range. no, no, not. But he not still got in the here. 70s. That's still good. Yeah, that's still good for. That's still good for him. Yeah. We'll we'll see. I mean, all 22 film will definitely give us a little bit more insight yeah. into what's going on there. For sure. Uh, last but not least, cutback crew Kyle's comments because these are always always fun because you get insight from Kyle and you get so much transparency when it comes to Kyle Shanahan and it's all the all the transparency you'll ever need. <laughs> all of it, yeah. Ant. All of it. Um, we had some updates on, obviously, gave the Fred updates. He talked a little bit about uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. But the, the more interesting comments that he had were around Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. I know we talked about some of these early, uh, some of these comments earlier, and we're not going to go into those ones. But he did have a very interesting question asked to him about, essentially, Jimmy Garoppolo being efficient in the two-minute drill. Uh, he goes, not necessarily that he's not like in regular time game time, but how much more efficient, essentially, is he? in the two minute drill. And, and Kyle basically said, you know, Jimmy's got some real good throwing ability. He thinks that whenever we go to the two minute drill, Jimmy tends to operate really well. And part of it is because there's less time. He's not thinking as much and he's just slinging it. And he's a gunslinger. Yeah, I think so. And we've talked about this before that Jimmy needs to kind of let go and just let it rip. Uh, like he did against Chicago. That's part of the reason he wasn't thinking he was just reacting. His back was completely against the wall. As the season has progressed, you've seen him get a little tense again. You'll see him kind of double clutching a little bit, you know, and, and not really getting rid of that football. And that's what Kyle's referring to here is that sometimes Jimmy is overthinking situations to prevent making mistakes. And sometimes he, in these, and especially in these two-minute situations, he doesn't have time to think. He just goes and reacts. You break the huddle, you get up there, you run the play, and you're going continually over and over and over. You don't have these lulls in times where you can sit back and think or overthink things. 
Um, and that is probably what he does. I've talked a lot about Jimmy Garoppolo being a robot, and that's what he is. He thinks about it all, you know, that way. Boom, boom, boom. And sometimes he needs to just go out there and play free. That is what the difference is between a 2017 Jimmy Garoppolo that had no understanding of the offense. He was just going out there and letting it rip. I mean, what they had nothing to lose. They weren't in a situation they were going to make playoffs. He was in a situation. He was where, trying to prove something. Well, he's just out there proving that he can play football. Yeah. Um, and it was his first time to actually be Not able to too. play because he had really, you know, only two games for the Patriots. So, I mean, he's just out there letting it rip. And we haven't seen that Jimmy Garoppolo to that level until we got to the Bears game where it was like, you know what? I'm just going to let it rip and let's see what happens. If this is the last game that I start as a 49ers quarterback, I'm going to go out on my terms in front of my people in Chicago. And he let it rip and he had a good game and it spiraled into something that has been great. But we saw against the Vikings, his face change. And I really believe in that game was the first time he started feeling the pressure again. And that's when he had some mistakes. And when he's in that situation, he gets in his head and he thinks too much and he doesn't rely on his natural ability, which he has a lot of natural ability. And if we could get what we get out of these two-minute situations in every situation, we wouldn't be talking about Jimmy G possibly being gone. We'd be talking about Jimmy G being one of the elite quarterbacks in the league because he does have that elite release and he can be pretty accurate at times, and especially on those final drives. 100% in. And not only that, he's a great diagnoser pre-snap of a lot of things. He does recognize things very well pre-snap. Right. Um, something he picked up in New England from Brady, from Belichick, from McDaniels. I mean, that's 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 a carryover from his time there. Um, just understanding tendency, situation, scheme, what teams are doing. Right. Now, there are times where he misses, right? Tom also has those moments. Every quarterback has those moments because sometimes the team shows you something enough times that you just believe it. You're just, I've seen, I know what you're doing. You're not, you're not coming back up. You're showing up, going back, showing up, going back. You're staying back. It's fine. And then the guy comes up and you're like, oh crap. Uh, that that happens all the time. I mean, that, that's a that's a tendency that every quarterback goes through. Um, you know, you start getting a quarterback into a rhythm in terms of what he's seeing, and then you pull the curtain. It's like, aha, something different. And get gotcha. Um, so I mean, look, th- those things, yeah, concerning. You were right, and this is something that I didn't really take a lot of time. I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about coming into this. You know, there was that one. There was the one time where the stat was like what twenty-one and nine. Jimmy Garoppolo was in his yeah, career, I, and that's thirty games. Thought about that for a second. And thirty games, thirty thirty games. That's less than three seasons of football. That's less than two seasons of football. Correct. Well, I mean, yes, correct. Uh, but this is what I mean. It's like he doesn't have a ton of starts under his belt. Now, some of that has been the injuries, right? And, and then a lot of that was early in his career with New England. He's still trying to figure out how to be the best version of himself each and every snap. Like, he's still coming into that. Um, that's something I never, like, put two and two together with. Um, you know, Jimmy struggles, I thought, more, you know, maybe just Jimmy having limitations, and being a limited guy with limited ability and limited skill and limited, limited ability to push the ball downfield and do certain things. And so he's, you know, he doesn't want to go to certain throws because he's like, oh, I don't do those things. Well, I need to stick where I'm, where I'm comfortable and that can lead to mistakes. Maybe it's not that. Maybe what's going on is that, you know, Jimmy does play better when he's not thinking. Kyle Shanahan requires some thought. And so Jimmy's having to think a lot. And sometimes he's basically in snap mid drop back talking himself out of things as he's seeing it because he's seeing certain things and being like, ah, I shouldn't do this. I need to do this. Huh? Maybe I should do this. Oh, this is available. I mean, he's just thinking too much. He's not allowing himself to just make a decision, trust his eyes and go with it. Um, be that gunslinger. Like you kind of, like you've been talking about the last few weeks that, you know, when he's that guy, he's that guy. 
Um, and you know, someone had asked Kyle also, you know, he said, do you think partially pressure is pressure? Like actual pressure is something that maybe he thrives under when there's not a lot of time. There's not a lot of things when his back is against the wall. And Kyle said, yeah, he does really well in those situations. And it's true. Um, he gave him the game ball after that Chicago game because they're the Niners was back or against the wall, but Jimmy's back was a hundred percent, maybe pressed even further into that wall than anybody else's. He was the guy behind the 49ers is getting pushed off the cliff there as the season's spiraling out of control. He's the first guy with his feet like, oh, God, I'm going to be the first one that tumbles because he would have been. If the season spiraled out of control, he would have been the first guy to get tossed down the cliff and been like, nope, we're going with the young guy now. Sorry, you had your chance. You had your opportunity. You didn't get it done for us. Um, Jimmy's this is an, just an interesting situation. And, and Kyle's comments the last few days about Jimmy Garoppolo and Brandon Ayuk's comments on top of that, we already know how Kill feels about, about, about Jimmy Garoppolo. It, this is just a very interesting dynamic that's going on in San Francisco. And you have to give credit to Jimmy Garoppolo because this couldn't be any of a more awkward or tough situation for a quarterback, having all these guys in the room that like you, but also knowing at the same time these guys are missing you when you're not there and are having to show their bets because you haven't been available. I think what also was interesting in this, and I'm going to talk a little bit about this football game, was it seemed that Jimmy Garoppolo hit throws that he doesn't normally hit. Um, he he made an absolute dime throw to George Kittle down the seam. You know that was close to the numbers. Uh, that was a George Kittle didn't come up with it. Um, but the reason he doesn't come up with it is because there's pass interference on the play. He throws the one deep down the sideline to Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings makes a great play. The back shoulder. Yeah, he throws the one over the top to George Kittle on the you know the corner route. He makes the play. Um, he went outside the numbers to Brandon Ayuk on an out pattern in the goal line. Brandon wasn't able to get his feet, uh, feet down, but he did it. Um, and he did that a few times in this football game. So Jimmy is making the plays that have been questioned before. Can he do that consistently, though? Can he go out there now and open up a full repertoire of plays and execute all of these and still hit over the middle? If all of a sudden he can do that, um, like we thought he could do in 2017, then he becomes a complete quarterback. Do I think he's still a top 10 elite quarterback? Not right now. No, can he, he hasn't done enough. Can he prove it? Yes. Um, I think right now he's sitting in that 15 to 18 range from what we've been seeing from him, but it's winning football. 49ers have a good defense, and they have a pretty good offense. And as long as you're able to execute and not turn over the ball, which Kyle Shanahan talked about this, since 2019, when they don't turn over the ball, they're 12-1. and 12-1 and one when they don't turn over the football. So um, Dang near unbeatable. That is probably part of the reason that Jimmy Garoppolo is in his own head. He doesn't want to make mistakes. Uh, so it's it's just a little bit interesting. The whole Jimmy Garoppolo thing is definitely polarizing, and I'm curious how this thing all plays out. The one thing I know is they've got a rally behind <clears> him right now because he's the best option, and Jimmy's playing the best. I mean, in the last five games, he's had some really good numbers, nearly 70%, over 1,100 yards, um, nine touchdowns to three picks. Uh, when you are playing that, you know, that well, uh, you can definitely win football games. So Jimmy's playing good enough right now. I, I know there's a narrative out there that he's still not, but we have to give respect to what he does. And over the last five games, and really ever since the Bears game, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has played, you know, pretty good. I mean, he, he's had he's had games where he's really great in plays that he's made really great, and he's had a couple of lulls as well. Um, but I think that, you know, Jimmy is an adequate quarterback right now, and I'm hoping that as this season goes on and he gets more and more comfortable in what Kyle Shannon is trying to do with him, the improvement as far as playing in the shotgun, uh, and the emergence of Brandon Ayuk as well will open the Huge. door for Jimmy Garoppolo to take the next step uh, and and really step up and lead this team into the playoffs. Agreed with you on that, 100%. Um, listen, the, the identity of this team will always be how we run the football. That's a Kyle Shanahan staple. That's not going anywhere. But if the run game isn't able to get going, 
or you don't have to you don't have to run the ball 40 times um if you're running the ball 40 times it's because you're absolutely dominating and there's no reason to do anything right. else other than run the ball 40 times then the 49ers are going to be in an excellent position in which Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be in an excellent position, um, not just for himself and in the rest of his career, but here in San Francisco and what this team could do and what they could accomplish after the start that we've had. Um, the 2-0 start was great. Everything after the 2-0 start wasn't as great, and it's still been a little up and down, but it's getting better, and it's getting closer to being what, what every 49ers fan thought it would be this season in terms of the way that they play, how they execute, and, and controlling a game. Um, they've done a better job of controlling games the last four weeks than they've done at any point uh, up to this point in the year. How different do you think you talk about uh, points in the season um, that are pivotal and kind of put you in different direction. How different would this season look if the 49ers would have won that game against green Bay by Jimmy Garoppolo leading that, you know, two minute drill, getting the ball to juice and scoring the touchdown. If Aaron Rodgers isn't able to get them down there and get that field goal, does does this team take it's off on a, in a 2019 it's 20, eight no type deal? It's 2019, or you know, do could, or do they you know still struggle and lose three straight after that? I don't think so. If yeah. you if you if you right the ship and your defense gets that stop in that moment, where Jason Verrett has gone down, you have Devontae Adams, you got questions in the cornerback room. Josh Norman went down earlier in the game, the guy you signed, and your rookies step up in a huge way in that football game. It's 2019. You, it's to the moon. Yeah. Right. It's diamond hands. Everyone's like diamond hand Niners. We're going to the moon. It's the diamond anniversary and it's all everything's for, I mean, it, it, it's the season plays out oddly eerily similar to 2019. This team's back. You probably have people that flip off of the, the, the Trey Lance narrative too. Jimmy Garoppolo's back because that win against Aaron Rodgers and then everything else that we've seen him do so far, if that's the directory, this team stays on and continues on. Um, because Elijah Mitchell was out. I mean, it was it was predicated on Jimmy to to throw. I mean, this this is an entirely different narrative. It's an entirely different team. But here's the thing: 2019 ends with a Super Bowl loss, and I said this on Face Off, and and I believe this. Mm. That 2019, that team came out of nowhere. You didn't take your lumps and and climb the ladder of adversity. You didn't go through, you know, the trials and tribulations that most teams have to actually go through before they get to a Super Bowl. Um, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs had to deal with those Patriots teams for a few years before they finally got to their got mm -hmm. their shot right and then they they get their win um, against the Niners then they lose a subsequent one to Tom Brady and, and, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right so I mean they've taken their lumps in order to try and become this grandioso team and, and this you know elite unstoppable force in the AFC the 49ers just appeared out of nowhere and ended up in a Super Bowl sometimes that adversity does things to going through that, taking those lumps, taking those licks early in a football season, it changes you. It changes that mentality and that mindset. I, there are always the exceptions to the rules, right? There's always those just those special teams, put it all together, figure it out, and go on and do the big thing and, and get, get to the big dance and, and take care of business. But there's also something special about a team that doesn't take anything for granted, knows they're talented, knows they're good, they're supposed to be good, takes some lumps early, isn't able to find themselves, and then finds a way to recapture their identity, recapture the thing that makes them special, and then also understand what it what it means to actually be that, right? When teams try and take it away from you, how do you reestablish yourself? How do you reassert yourself? And at times, how do you evolve? Yeah, 1988 49ers. I mean, that's pretty much the most perfect example of a, a team that was on the edge, you know, Bill Walsh possibly, you know, thinking this was his last season, which it ended up being. Um, but they started in a rough way, and then they got it together, and they ended up going on a rally and winning the Super Bowl. And, you know, that's just 
they they took their lumps. It had been a long time since they had been to the Super Bowl. In fact, it was a different cast of characters um, from before. You had some holdovers, of course. You know, Joe and Ronnie and those guys. Um, but well, just the big names. <laughs> well, but Jerry was new. He had never True. won a Super Bowl before. You know, they they there was a little bit of a shift there. So it was a different team, and they had just came off losing. You know, that big game in 1987 where they felt like they were the best team. They shouldn't oh. have lost. Um, you know, Carter tears them up, and it, that's what happens. But you're right. Sometimes adversity is what you need during a season. It's, it's, it's what we've been saying from the beginning. It's not the team that's the best at the beginning of the year. It's the team that's the best at the end of the year. And it's a culmination of everything that happens in the year. And when you get to the playoffs, it's a completely new season. It doesn't matter if you go 17-0 um, and 0 in the regular season, you know, or, or you go, you know, 9-8, and 8, whatever it is. The team that's playing the best at that moment is going to win. And you're just hoping that at that point you reach your peak. So hopefully the 49ers can continue uh, moving forward. They beat a very good Cincinnati Bengals team. And, you know, the Bengals were one game out of being the division leaders. Now they're one game out of making the playoffs. Um, It's a tight race. There's a lot of good football teams Both in the AFC. Both conferences. That's crazy. Yeah, and the AFC, it's really tight. I think the AFC is a little bit better than the NFC as far as top to bottom. But I think the NFC has a lot of top-heavy, you know, teams that are pretty good. I, I agree with you on that there. It, this is going to be one of the more interesting NFL seasons in terms of how the playoffs play out because outside of your top teams on the NFC side, um, it's really open season everywhere. It's open season in the wild card race in both divisions. In the ASC, it's completely open season. You got three teams that are sitting at nine and four vi- vying for that one seed. Um, you know, and, and you got a team not that far behind the, the New England Patriots and the Bills uh, sitting there in the AFC. Now, they are sliding sliding the bills have been they're two games back now but if if they can put it together here late they have an opportunity but the problem is is that you know they've already played both of their matchups against the patriots so they have no other way to catch them other than the patriots falling off which i just don't see happening right now yeah it's it's going to be interesting i'm I'm curious about how this thing plays out and you know where arizona ends up fitting um is arizona going to continue to be the number one seed or are green bay and tampa bay going to catch them because they're right there with them uh, Arizona has to win, you know, and they have to win to, to, to get ahead. And it's going to be a fun end of the season. We're going to see where it all plays out. But ultimately, whoever has to play the 49ers, uh, I feel bad for you. And I, I'm hoping it's Dallas. I, I want I want that oh, one Dallas game. I want the smoke. Nothing nothing um, better than that. Nothing yeah. will be better than that. But either, either way we get it, we're going to get a great matchup in the first round, right? Whether it's 49ers versus Cardinals, 49ers versus Packers, 49ers versus Tampa Bay, or 49ers versus Dallas – um, any one of those matchups, 49er fans could absolutely get behind as far as you want to win. You have to win because well, those are those are cool matchups for for the team. There's something there with every single there's one. There's a storyline with each one. Yeah. Um, whether it's 49ers Tampa, whether it's 49ers Arizona, I mean, not Arizona, but uh, 49ers Green yeah, Bay. Arizona, or, they're a rival. It, they well, might not be the number yeah, one seed. You're also right. Well, and look, I'm I'm looking right now. I just pulled it up because you mentioned it. I was like, well, the Monday night game is going on while we're while we're recording this. 7-3 right now, Rams in the second quarter. Yeah. So it's already, I mean, it's not the NFC West. Everyone in the NFC West, I mean, they, they play each other tight. It's just yeah. how it how it typically works. This conference is just one of those conferences. The AFC West has been very similar on the other side. Um, look, I want to get to two more things before we wrap up today's episode. Uh, the first being Mitch Wisnowski punts because Kyle talked about Wes Welker basically saying that Mitch's punts are some of the hardest punts he's ever had to catch ever his yeah. entire career, which is nonsense. But he talked specifically about his knuckleball and, and how much it moves when he punts his knuckler. Said this in the reaction show that maybe this was just a thing where Mitch was, Richie was like, this might be a good day for the knuckler, Mitch. And he was like, got it, coach. We ain't going to flip the field today. We're going to be messing with their heads. 
Um, and it worked. Well, they also talked about the way it, it looks at night, which it was a night game in Cincinnati. True. And also the way that the weather plays with it, with a little bit of wind. Um, so it could have been the perfect conditions for, you know, Wisnowski to go out there and put the knuckle punt out there. And it worked out the for good the old 49ers. Knuckle punt. So, they, so they made a made a good call there. It's a knuckle punt time, man. Yeah, knuckle punt. Good old knuckle punt time. Yeah. Uh, the last one. He's the goalie. <laughs> He's the goalie. <laughs> that was a great, just a great moment yeah. in, in that movie. Uh, <laughs> they, he, Kyle was asked about D Ford. And this is something we didn't talk about. A little disheartening because... I think if we knew that D Ford was going to be back with this team, that this D line would go from being and freaking tastic like it already is to being dang near unstoppable once this guy's healthy back on the field. They're not thinking he's going to be back. Kyle is thinking that they're just going to have to continue to play without him. Um, they have till Wednesday to open the practice window and get no, him to out. Activate him. To activate him, excuse yeah. me. Um, it's not looking like it's going to be the case. Kyle said, we'll see what happens, but they're not expecting it. Yeah, it's starting to look like D Ford is going to be done for the year. Uh, and now the question is, is his, is his career over? I mean, this was his, this was his chance to prove that, you know, he could go out there and get it done and be healthy and be healthy. And he hasn't been able to stay healthy once again. Um, and he was, he was, you know, adding something to this team when he was healthy and he's not now, So this is unfortunate. This is a blow for the 49ers. Um, it looks like there's going to be no more double nickel for the 49ers. We'll see what happens, you know, tomorrow when they ultimately decide if, if he's going to be activated or not. Um, there's, yeah, there is an outside chance they activate him and just you know leave a roster spot for him to be able to and just kind of hold on, hold on for a couple more weeks, um, unless they're afraid to lose a player. And if they are afraid to lose a player, then he'll go on the IR and he'll be done for the year. We're gonna have big news on double nickel coming up pretty soon. That's that's very true. Stay tuned, cutback crew. That's gonna be coming your way tomorrow. Uh, but no, I mean there's there's tons of things to be talking about, tons of things to be looking at. Um, the 49ers have a big, huge game this week against the Atlanta Falcons. The news coming out of the Bengals game now is subsiding as we all turn and focus our attention on what's most important, which is this game against an NFC opponent, a team that's sitting a game behind you, uh, and with the Niners having an opportunity to get another one up on a not just an NFC team, but take the tiebreaker, completely put this, put it in their control, and walk away with this with a big win. Um, and I've seen some 49ers fans talking about, you know, this just feels like 2019 all over again against Atlanta. Um, I get it. I understand because the Niners lost that game. Um, that game was in Levi Stadium. You know, it wasn't a situation where you expected to lose and ended up doing. The difference is this time around is that the, there are a lot less weapons offensively for the Atlanta Falcons than in the years past. And while the Niners still have some injuries defensively, and uh, the Niners know you have a very hungry opponent in Atlanta. You also have a team that's won a lot of football games. So you know what they've done well. You know what they've struggled with. You've seen what they've done positively. You can be better prepared for the good things that they can do, whereas that 2019 season, Atlanta was basically a dumpster fire for the whole year. Uh, the 49ers had won 10 games when they played Atlanta last. True. Uh, it was a different situation completely. They were coming off an emotional win, um, and they were playing a lowly team. That's when you get trap games. Uh, uncharacteristic things happened in that game. George Kittle fumbling inside the 10-yard the line. That doesn't happen. Also, Atlanta had Julio Jones. Um, that always makes a big Wait, difference in, in football games. He's pretty darn good there, oh, okay. Alex. Um, but yeah, I, I, sure. I think this is completely different. The only thing that's the same is that they're that this is the same team and Matt Ryan's the quarterback. Other than that, this is completely different. Complete, Agreed with different you. Different coaching that. staff, different team, different situation. Different pieces, because, both on offense and defense. Well, because Atlanta's going in there also, they're trying to make the playoffs. They're one game back of the 49ers. It's like, okay, um, the 49ers are going to play this in a completely different manner. This is not the same. The situation's not the same. Um, so besides the dirty bird, there's nothing that's the same.
I like it, Ant. I like that right there. I like that mentality. You heard it here from Ant First Cutback Crew. Yep. This, not only is this not a trap game, this isn't a team that the Niners are even considering taking lightly because everyone is right in the thick of things. The Niners haven't fully separated themselves from the NFC just yet, but this Sunday could be their opportunity to finally put them put some major distance between themselves and some of these other lowly teams in the NFC, Ant, and make everyone feel comfy, cozy inside about their playoff positioning and where they're going to be and who this team could be. Uh, so make sure, if you haven't already... percent chance to make the playoffs. True. Really good odds. I like those odds. I, I like it for us. Han Solo doesn't want the odds told to him. And no, don't tell him the odds ever. But me, please tell me those odds. It makes me feel better. Yeah. I, I mean, like I mean, it was just it was just a few weeks ago that they were just over 50%. So. Well, I mean, there was a, a week before that, you know, it was... We dropped down to 46 yeah. after after one of the losses. So, I mean... Just saying, it's been it's been all over the place. But the Niners have seized control of their own destiny. They seized control of their own fate. I'm all for it. I love it. Let's keep this thing rolling. Let's keep this thing going. A big win this weekend in Levi's would be huge for the 49ers. But Cutback Crew, make sure you hit that like button, hit that subscribe button if you haven't already, and that notification bell. And go check out Big Yikes if you haven't already. It's absolutely fantastic over there on Patreon, Anton. There's going to be a a lot of great yikes in the, in the coming weeks. Oh, yeah. Big Yikes is always the go-to program. So if you want to... Check it out. Head over to Patreon and, and, and get a, a glance at that. And then just laugh and enjoy yourself. It's always a good time. Whether with the 49ers win or whether the 49ers lose, it's great therapy. Great therapy. Because if you didn't like something from the game, big yikes, make you forget all about it. Aunt. You can just have a good laugh and have a good chuckle at some of the other nonsensical people who either can't enjoy a 49ers win or ready to hit the nuclear option on the 49ers after a tight loss, close loss. A loss in which the ref screwed him out of out of opportunities, no matter what it is. So big yikes, a lot of fun. Cut back crew this channel, though. It's just, just a lot of fun. We got a lot of great stuff. It's all because of you. Thank you so much for all your support. And we'll see you on the next one. And until then, stay safe. Remember the right way. Is always the 49ers way.